All right, let's talk about astronomy right now, because once again, there has been this astounding new discovery, and there is a close connection to us right here at home. In fact, it's a UBC astronomer who has helped out with this huge project that involves finding the clues to the origins of our universe. So I'm not going to explain it to you because... I wouldn't do a very good job of it, but that's why we have our next guest to do that for us. It's Dr. Jeremy Heil, who's a professor of physics and astronomy at UBC and Canada Research Chair of Black Holes and Neutron Stars. What a cool title. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. So tell me about this discovery. What did you find? Well, what what we found uh, was a, a white dwarf, which is the remnant of a star like our sun, uh, And usually on the surface of white dwarfs, what you see is hydrogen gas, which is the most common element in the universe. Uh, And then there's a fraction of them that you see helium gas, which is the next most common uh, element in the universe. But this white dwarf is kind of odd. It doesn't exactly know what to do because what we see is, is this object, this dead star, it rotates every 15 minutes. Uh, which is really fast if you imagine it's about 3,000 kilometers in radius. So it's a bit smaller than the Earth, but it's the mass of a star. And one side of the star is covered in hydrogen, and the other side of the star is covered in helium. So for seven minutes, we see mainly hydrogen, and the hydrogen entirely disappears. And then for another seven minutes, more or less, we see the helium side of the white dwarf. So it's it's uh, it's a white dwarf sort of maybe in transition from being uh, having hydrogen on its surface to, to helium on its surface, but it's just a, a, a crazy puzzle on top of that. And so why are white dwarfs so important? Because I know they're used to test a lot of things, aren't they? Yeah, so most stars, meaning, you know, 97 out of 100 stars will become a white dwarf at, at the end of their, their lives. And when the white dwarf is, uh, there's no nuclear burning on the white dwarf anymore, and it basically just cools with time. So they can be a great clock because we can tell by how hot the white dwarf is at this moment, uh, how long it's been cooling. So we can use it to measure if we had a white dwarf that was born very early in the history of the universe, we can use how long it's been cooling to measure the age of the universe. Or we can use white dwarfs to measure the ages of other stars if the white dwarf has a companion. Uh, But one thing that white dwarfs do as they cool, some of them, is they start out when they're very young to have helium on their surface, and then uh, then gradually they f- you find that they have hydrogen on their surface for a little bit longer, or this is what we infer, and then later on it resumes having helium on the surface. And we think that has to do with there's this stage in the life of the white dwarf where the surface starts to bubble, and we call that convection, and we mix helium up to the surface again, and uh, dilute the hydrogen. So in this, but we never can see a white dwarf right. kind of in the middle of doing this change until this guy. So this particular white dwarf, we think, is in the middle of the change from being hydrogen back to helium. And because of 
perhaps the magnetic field on the white dwarf is a bit stronger in some spots than others. Parts of the white dwarf manage to do this boiling motion and mix helium up to the top and other parts don't. So it's sort of like we're seeing the moment Clark Kent jumps into the (laughs) phone booth and turns into Superman. Uh, If we didn't see that part of the movie, you would think they were two different people, although they all look exactly the same usually. But but that's what we're seeing in this white dwarf, this moment of transition. Uh, So it's pretty exciting. Uh, First of all, excellent comic book analogies to make it so that we could all understand it. Thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Uh, It does sound like it is very rare then. Have we seen or found something like this before? Well, we've seen some white dwarfs where we see both hydrogen and helium in their atmospheres. And we've seen one where it's sometimes a bit more hydrogen and sometimes a bit less. But this is the first time where we've seen one where one side, one hemisphere of the white dwarf is all hydrogen and the other hemisphere is all helium. And that it changes back and forth like clockwork, just because the star is rotating every 15 minutes. So this is a first. Uh, this, this white dwarf is pretty far away as far as white dwarfs are concerned. It's about a thousand light years away. So it, it really is a, a special find. So what happens now, like now that you found it, this, and, and what, do you, what questions do you still have? What do you do now? Well, in particular, like, why is it happening, right? So why is the white dwarf, uh, why does one side of it show hydrogen and the other show helium? And we think it has to do with there being a magnetic field on the white dwarf. So it would be great to do measurements to try to measure that magnetic field. It would also be our, our view of the white dwarf is really restricted to light that in the range that we can see, so visible light. It would be really great to follow this up in the ultraviolet, where we think most of the energy of the white dwarf is coming out, uh, and that would be something we would have to do with the, the Hubble Space Telescope, because that's our, our one ultraviolet telescope that we have uh, out in space. So that would be another great thing to follow up, so we can really understand Uh, the big picture on this white dwarf. It's really exciting. So is it just that they're so, they have been so difficult to find? Is this new technology that's allowing us to do this? Yeah, so this particular white dwarf we discovered because there's uh, an experiment uh, down at the Palomar Observatory, which is near San Diego, where they take uh, image of a large portion of the sky every couple days, again and again and again. So we can look for objects whose brightness is changing. And that's how this sky was discovered. It was noticed that this object's brightness was changing, uh, in fact, about every 15 minutes. And, uh, and so this was a new thing. But going forward, this is a capability that we're going to have more and more of with uh, what's called the Vera Rubin Observatory. We'll be taking pictures of most of the sky every night. So it will be pretty amazing. We'll have this movie of the sky, and that'll allow us to discover lots more of these interesting objects. Well, I look forward to hearing more about it. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, well, thank you for having me.